This talk is offered by Ordinary Minds Zen teacher Andrew Tutel. Andrew is an Australian Dharma heir of Barry Majid and is dedicated to extending Barry's vision of a psychologically minded Zen practice adapted to the needs of students practicing in the context of their everyday lives. Find out more at ordinarymind.com.au. Andrew's Zen teachings are made possible by donations from people like you. I was just curious during the um, last period when we were sitting, um, did you notice any, uh, any reactions to the sound of the lawnmower as compared to, say, the sound of birdsong? or even cars going past. I really like it, and the smell of it gives me really sort of happy memory of childhood. Long wang, long wang, so. Okay, thank you. It felt like a Saturday afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> so I enjoyed that, yeah. Yeah, it made me smile more than anything. But there was a little moment happening there. That's one of the good things about having uh, uh, meditating and having retreats in urban environments because um, most of us live in, in urban environments most of the time. It's also perfectly fine to get away to the country every now and again. Some of us live in the country permanently. <laughs> so it's good that you can come down the mountain, Jonathan, and have a taste of the urban soundscape. Does it fill you with good memories? <laughs> Very, very slight, very, very slight annoyance. Right. I'm sure I heard you. I'm sure I heard you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, this topic, uh, talk about boredom and the barriers that boredom sometimes presents to us in our spiritual journey to the stars. But I'd like to start with a uh, lyrical ballad by a 19th century poet called William Wordsworth and um, he, he uh, often wandered around the Lake District which is not far from Manchester where I grew up uh, and visited the Lake District once but didn't get much chance to walk around. Has anybody been to the Lake District? Anybody? Have you done any walking around there? Yeah, I found Wordsworth daffodils. Oh wow. <laughs> 
Cool. Um, <clears throat> this is one of his uh, well-known poems. Um, I'm going to read the, the verse 5 uh, from Intimations of Immortality from Recollections of Early Childhood. So verse 5. Our birth is but a sleep and a forgetting. The soul that rises with us, our life star, have had elsewhere its setting, and cometh from afar. Not in entire forgetfulness, and not in utter nakedness, but trailing clouds of glory do we come from God, who is our home. Heaven lies about us in our infancy. Shades of the prison house begin to close upon the growing boy. But he beholds the light, and whence it flows, he sees it in his joy. The youth who daily farther from the east must travel, still is nature's priest, and by the vision splendid is on his way attended. At length the man perceives it die away, and fade into the light of common day. So, our birth is but a sleep and a forgetting. But the theme of that particular verse and the theme of the poem um, is that uh, the, the child, or the infant and then the child, uh, is, uh, is, is more in touch with that, uh, that wonder um, of the uh, of the world of being alive. So there's a sense in which, as a child, uh, we haven't totally forgotten the consciousness that we are, the light that we are, and um, and even in adolescence, uh, you know, we probably can all have memories either of childhood or adolescence. Um, I have some very early memories of childhood, just being uh, seeing a bird's nest for the first time, and little little um, eggs in the bird's nest, and then little hatchlings hatching out of the egg, um, <coughs> birthing, and um, and then it, you probably have your own memories of you in, in adolescence, so they're still discovering things for the first time, and and puberty kicks in, and. Uh, the world can still be full of wonder, although, of course, during it, you know, during, well, it depends upon the environment we're growing up in, but that can't, it's not necessarily full of wonder all the time. But I think we, all of us, hopefully in our childhood and adolescence, had, uh, had some glimpses of that, uh, of beauty and wonder. Is that the, would that be the case for everybody here, or? And then the, uh, of course, this is Wordsworth as a, I don't know what age he was when he wrote this poem, he probably in middle age, and uh, he's uh, reflecting on how uh, this uh, slowly fades as one uh, goes into our adult years and uh, takes on the responsibilities of family and work and um, 
busyness and and uh, how that uh, those uh, trailing clouds of glory it uh, t- tends to fade away and uh, fade into the light of common day. In other words, common day being, I guess, our everyday waking life, or this dream that we all live in, um, of a separate self. And um, <coughs> this, um, you know, probably the uh, philosophy probably began with this that sense of wonder. Now the basic question is, you know, why is the something rather than nothing? Sometimes, you know, we may have had that experience of um, just being struck by the beauty of flower or mountain, a rooster crowing in the morning. an eagle circling in the sky, a lawnmower. <laughs> the, just the absolute mystery of why is there something rather than nothing. Um, only philosophers, um, especially uh, academic philosophers, probably have the time to contemplate these questions. For most of us, we have to attend to our work and so forth. and. Uh, but um, hopefully in our, in our meditation, um, the sense in which Wordsworth uses these metaphors of a forgetting, um, and this, the, the, the journey back home again is a sense of remembering, uh, remembering who we truly are, remembering the light that we came from, and are, in fact. Um, and... Uh, this sense of uh, turning around and turning around from our focus on the concerns of the uh, of the world, our attention is normally taken up with um, either objects in the world or you know work we have to do, or we um, and even in our quiet moments uh, we may distract ourselves. How, how in our culture, like we were talking about before, just sitting and doing nothing, or just contemplating, or just listening, is not very highly valued. And um, um, it's a culture in which, um, in a sense, we are um, maybe um, becoming increasingly difficult for us just to. Um, be quiet and contemplative um, without uh, having to check our mobile phone screen or screen of some kind, etc. So there's a sense in which the um, the practice or the meditation is this opportunity to return or to remember ourselves. And uh, awareness often goes by the by metaphor of light. Uh, you know, the metaphor in the same way that the sun illuminates the trees and the mountains and 
the moon um, in the same way the the light of awareness is what illuminates everything which appears in our consciousness and um, this return or this remembering is remembering the wonder the wonder of being alive the wonder of being aware the wonder of being self-conscious being this consciousness that is consciousness of itself this question of course why is there something rather than nothing it's probably not the kind of question the frog or the cow would ask it's probably a uniquely human question that's why in all the great religions this this um, sense in which the uh, in the non-dual teachings uh, are the our self participates in that divine light, if you want to use that kind of language, or simply consciousness. Only consciousness can be aware of consciousness. And as human beings, we, we experience that wonder. the ultimate mystery. Um, The next question, of course, is who or what is aware? And um, that, again, in all the great religious traditions, is um, fundamental contemplation and uh, one which is uh, central to the Zen tradition and, and other traditions as well. And um, it's often a nice one to hold near to your heart when in meditation or even when we have the opportunity for some silent contemplative pause during the day just to be curious about this being aware of being aware who or what is it that's aware really is, this is the gateway, this is the key to the the gateless gate, the, the doorway into the mystery You probably might have heard this little story before. Um, a new monk asked uh, Swan Shah, Master, please show me how to enter the way. And the master said, uh, Do you hear the sound of the mountain stream? Yes, said the monk. Enter there. So the master in that story is pointing to this mystery of awareness. So then we start to explore the nature of this awareness and we discover something very profound 
And it's okay, we can understand this intellectually, but it's also very essential to really be it, or expi uh, to, to live it, to, to really dwell within this mystery. And that is that um, this awareness that we often call I, so we say, are you aware? Yes, I am aware. question is a thought, are you aware? But in the pause, there is no thought, it's just awareness. Starting to stand in that awareness or knowingly live from that awareness is the, is the path. Now the, the profound thing is that when we start to be curious about awareness and explore it, what it's made up out of, um, in a sense the I is the, the opening, if you like, in which all experience is happening. And by experience, check it out yourself. It's, um, you know, you have the perceptions, you have forms and colors, you have the sounds, the textures, soft and hard, smells and tastes. You have feelings, you know, ranging from basic sensations <coughs> to uh, um, emotions, just sadness. And of course we have um, the interpretation of these feelings or perceptions or thought. Um, the mind. And we have memories, images, So you have various levels of intensity of feeling. Uh, you have various levels of uncomfortableness, pleasure, pain, etc. All those experiences are happening in the opening of awareness and consciousness. So the, the awareness is, is, is the knowing. It's the context for all experience. It's the knower of all these objects. This is the phenomenal, the phenomenal universe, the impermanent universe, the world of change that's constantly flowing. In a sense, you can understand the body and the mind. So the body is a we experience it within our consciousness or awareness as a flow of sensations and perceptions. The body is not a thing, it's something we experience, it's a process. 
it's an activity. And the same with the mind. Thought is the activity of consciousness. So the body and the mind are both appearing in our awareness, not the other way around. We, we are conditioned to believe that uh, somehow um, we are in the body, or there's a little me somewhere in this head looking out. Whereas in fact the body and the mind are both appearing in our awareness or consciousness. Um, this is a very profound discovery, one you need to make with your own inquiry, not something that you need to believe, but something you need to see for yourself. So if you like, all the phenomenal world is experienced in time, various events coming and going, but the I, the witness, is not in time. The I or witness is timeless. And it's the first stage of the path to, to start to clearly discriminate ourselves as the witness or the I of awareness. To see clearly that the witness itself is not in pain, or the witness itself is not sad. The sensations and the emotions are appearing in the witness, appearing in the awareness that we are. So this is the now. We are the now, the now being timeless, the now being eternity, not in the sense of the endless duration of time, but just in the sense of timeless, outside of the dimensions of space and time. It becomes clear that this awareness that we are is the knower and also the known, but the awareness itself, we can't actually turn around and observe it. It's the one thing that you can't observe. You can't observe the observer. Only awareness is aware of being aware. It's the seer and the seen. <clears throat> so, Unfortunately, because of our dualistic language, um, the child that is, you know, born trailing clouds of glory, etc., a child that which is very near the God or consciousness from which it comes, is quickly um, initiated and conditioned into the world of duality and the world of dualistic language. And fairly quickly, it feels that I am this body-mind, I'm something inside this body-mind, and there's another body-mind out there. And we have the whole creation of uh, them and us. It happens very quickly. And the identification of, with the body and with an, a separate self comes into existence. <clears throat> the world of the relative subject and object. So we become able to objectify others and objectify ourselves. And we forget our origins in consciousness or non-duality. This forms the basis for you know, human suffering. Basically we forget who we are, so we don't really know who we are. And we go off, the separate self goes off, either seeking, seeking the wound, that lack that it, it essentially is, um, the activity of the separate self goes in search of, of 
desires various objects in the search for happiness or rejects this moment um, or resists this moment because this isn't it. This can't be it. The, the separate self by definition can never be complete. It can never be satisfied. Because it also feels separate, it also can fear change. Hence the desire to sometimes cling on or grasp to the phenomena that is constantly changing. And, uh, and also the separate self fears death, fears, fears to disappear to nothingness, to cease existing. So as Wordsworth alludes to, we find ourselves as prisoners in this world of duality. As the apparent separate self seeks for happiness in external objects, such as awards or wealth, or relationships, or experiences. Um, I was just um, speaking to a friend the other day who just come back from New Zealand, and uh, he'd been on he'd been trekking, and uh, he arrived in Queenstown, and he said that place is a crazy place. He said, I've never been to Queenstown, but it's one of those uh, resorts, and it was a summertime. And in the summer, everyone's going bungee jumping and uh, you know, white river rafting. And uh, he said, there's all these adrenaline junkies everywhere. Um, and um, I remember when it was my son's birthday last year, and I rang up and spoke to his partner about any ideas for a birthday present for him. And she said, well, you could, you know, you could buy him an experience. <laughs> So it's like, like capitalism is now uh, selling us experiences. And um, I thought, well, he could come to a retreat. That won't cost him very much. <laughs> um, but, you know, maybe he'd prefer to jump out of an aeroplane or go ballooning or something. Um, so this constant uh, in our culture, this, not, maybe not just our culture, I mean, but this, 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 this seeking experiences, and um, um, and, and 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 you know, it's it's like seeking wealth. It's something which can never end. It's it's uh, it can never be satisfied. So you have one experience, you want another experience. Um, you know, um, whatever form that takes, whether it takes the form of seeking highs through various drugs or whether it takes, you know, takes the form of seeking a high through having the most incredible sexual experience, these things can never, never end. It's just a never-ending, um, you know, what... There's a certain, maybe a certain sense of happiness we experience um, when, we, when, we, when, we, when we get our desired object, whether that object is um, a relationship or um, a new car or a new job, um, and that, that, sen that sense of happiness uh, is genuine, but the only problem is it doesn't last. And, um, and so we, we're back on the wheel again, searching for the next experience. And, um, and then it's the same with, um, 
I guess what we might call the, when we talk about, you know, living this dream, it's like the soap opera. Um, uh, so many people can be addicted to drama, uh, drama in, in relationships. And, um, um, and that can go on for a, that can go on for a lifetime. Um, so, this is what I mean about, um, so one of the things we discover when we, if, we, if we're new to meditation, um, it can feel quite boring to begin with. And, um, it's, you know, most, a lot of people come to meditation in, in the, with the same kind of, um, um, the same kind of thought, really, about getting another experience, you know. Only in the meditation is called enlightenment. So we go in search of enlightenment in the same way as we go in search of, you know, adrenaline experiences or whatever. Um, Joko Beck, the uh, the teacher who founded the Ordinary Mind School, used to, used to talk about um, at a certain point in time, it might be a year or it could be a few years. Um, of a student studying Zen meditation. Uh, when they finally get it, they quit. Mm. And um, they go on to uh, another teacher or um, uh, another tradition. Um, because it's, it's not, you're not going to be walking around full of bliss all the time. It's not like that. Enlightenment is not like that. Enlightenment, in fact, is not even an experience as such. But, you know, we're so conditioned and to we desire or crave to be in uh, endless bliss. Um, actually, a better translation of the word ananda is, 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 is peace. Um, and there, there is a deep peace that comes from being awareness. You can sense it or you can intuit it quite quickly. And, um, and that peace can certainly blossom into a, a, a more constant source of happiness because um, we're sourcing ourselves in, in, in the peace and happiness of awareness and the love of awareness. But, you know, at first awareness is not a dramatic thing, you know. Um, and um, We have to it's kind of like hides from us in a way. Kind of like hides in a way. Awareness is kinda of like hidden. And it's hidden behind all this drama and um, all this search for experiences. And um, So we have to be very, very patient and curious to taste awareness. It, that's why often people talk about early morning being a good time for a formal meditation practice. 
the the quiet does help and because you know the peace of awareness is also very closely associated with beauty so beauty is not really a drama neither it's it's but it, 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 it moves us to that place of non-separation, of oneness, of love. Um, being moved by the beauty of the flower or by the beauty of the sky is not necessarily a dramatic thing. But it's wonderful. It's a wondrous thing. It's wonder. It can really... But all the craving for excitement and drama gets in the way of... We lose the sense of wonder in nature, the absolute wonder of all of this, because it gets overtaken by the story and by the drama. And of course, why is drama so addictive? Because it's the little eye or the separate eye which is at the center of it. And the little eye or the separate eye doesn't like the now, it finds it boring. And it's also a little bit fearful of it as well. Because truly in the now, when we're totally just this experience with no gap, just this awareness, the separate self can't survive, the has to die. That's the first stage of meditation, really. So one of the great barriers we have to pass through on the way to finding this peace is boredom. So be curious about boredom if you experience boredom. Maybe pay attention to how we distract ourselves sometimes when we become bored. And uh, every now and again, just take a little pause before you move to your iPhone or the uh, TV. And uh, just, just be curious about that uncomfortable feeling of uh, boredom. Be curious about it. I'll stop there. And you've got um, a few minutes for any questions. Yes, be curious about, about the feeling of boredom in the same way as anything else that's appearing in your awareness. Because, um, like, the same drama. So because you have curious mind, you get attracted to all this drama, but we don't get attracted to boredom as, in a similar way. No, we, 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 we are aversive to boredom. Yeah. yeah. So notice how, notice your aversion to boredom, your resistance to boredom, and where that might take you. Um, or 
just sit with the boredom and see how it might just clear away as well in, in your meditation, formal meditation practice. Uh, but during your everyday life, just pay attention to um, the resistance to boredom. In the same way as we, re we resist lots of different emotions as well, like the resistance to anxiety or sadness. To, um, what we're wanting to do is fully allow whatever feeling it is to, 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 to appear, but then subside in our awareness, to, be, to complete itself in our awareness rather than as either trying to hang on to it or push it away, which just complicates it and, and, and maintains it. Boredom being um, one of the barriers, if you like, uh, in, in, in our practice. Um, the desire that we have uh, for constant stimulation and excitement and drama and how our resistance to boredom will of often send us in that direction to distract ourselves from it. Um, and, and maybe like um, because we're not used to contemplation as part of our culture, it's not something we naturally do. And uh, so maybe boredom is one of, the, one of the gateways we need to pass through sometimes. Is, uh, maybe, maybe boredom is one of the barriers we need to pass through sometimes. Yeah, any, any, any kind of uh, resistance or uh, search uh, blocks, blocks the awareness, yeah. Blocks the experience of the true self. sense everything's inward, everything's in awareness. When we collapse in the distinction between the outer and the inner and non-duality. The, the outer and the inner is the creation of, of mind or cultural conditioning. It's the relative world. I mean, we have to live in it. I mean... Sure, there's probably an interpretation that that, that that goes to producing that experience of boredom. I'm sure there's a thought though, yeah, that you could probably identify if you were observant. Um, yeah, the thought would be something like, oh, simply could because it could simply be this is boring. That could be the thought. <laughs> I mean, how many kids, you know, as kids, I mean, kids say that all the time. This is boring, man. <laughs> I mean, we all grow up with that. Yeah. 
Andrew, um, I'm sitting here feeling into uh, the idea of me sitting here with awareness on the cushion meditating and jumping out of an aeroplane, parachute on, with awareness, both incredibly deep experiences between True. So I think there's a, it's how I approach rather than what I do. Yeah, 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 lovely, lovely, Jonathan. I mean, you know, jumping out of an aer- jumping out of an aeroplane could be uh, your expression of your celebration of being alive. Yes. Yeah. Yes. As opposed to you know escaping from the dull reality of your boring life. Yeah. yeah. And I might choose to paint or write poetry or. Sure, that's yeah. a celebration. Yeah, yeah too. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. for me, to not starve myself of that because I choose to say not now when I'm, when I'm approaching freedom. I mean, I but, I mean the, the problem is if we, if we associate freedom with jumping out of the aeroplane. Yeah, no, I fully yeah. see that. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. If I have to get higher before I can... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, literally, I mean, Joker used to laugh about the metaphor. We're, we're, we're all, we've all jumped out of the aeroplane. We all know where we're going to land. <laughs> we're just on the way down. I, I, so we might as well enjoy it as we're going down. I feel like jumping out of the airplane being born. Yeah, mm. sure. Ah, yes, some of us have jumped into the unknown, yeah. ancestor of, of Zen Buddhism and Bodhidharma was when he was asked by the emperor who are you he said I don't know mm-hmm. it was a mystery but we as humans we grow up to have materialistic things and we, we seek joy from them but unlike Buddha he had everything but he wasn't like he, he had to go out to find what, what he wanted or what he thinks Mm. I'm a little bit deaf, if you could speak up in which I just okay. appreciate it. Okay. No, sorry about Buddha, like, he, like as humans we seek happiness in materialistic things, but Buddha had everything, mm. and then also he went out to seek. Yes, yeah. yes. and you are also Buddha. <laughs> Everyone is a Buddha. Yes. yes. Mm. Yes, awareness is no thing, yeah. I mean, that's the first stage of the realization that, uh, uh, that that's the wisdom, seeing that you are not a thing, yeah. And then the next step is I am everything. 